From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Washington Watch. Coming up, corporate titans are tripping over themselves in their woke opposition to Georgia's election integrity law. But the question is, will their wokeness awaken something in American consumers? We'll talk with former Ohio Secretary of State Ken Blackwell, who is also a minority owner of a Major League Baseball team, about how corporate America's wokeness may end up haunting them. In one of those ways that they may be haunted is the special treatment businesses like Delta Airlines receive from state officials in Georgia and the special federal status like organizations, say, the Major League Baseball receives from the federal government. Could these perks be at risk? I hope so. Georgia Congressman Barry Loudermilk is here to talk about that. And it is that time of year. As is evidenced by the topics we've been covering, state legislatures are in session, and that is especially important when you have a left-leaning federal government. you got to have somebody that's going to push back, and that's exactly what is happening in states all across America. Kena Gonzalez, director of FRC State and Local Department, is here with an update on state activity. Church attendance in America is on the decline. Some secularists are claiming that's a good thing and not to worry because there will be no side effects. Really? Dr. Pat Fagan, Director of Marriage and Religion Research Institute, joins me for what will be a lively discussion. The website, TonyPerkins.com, if you're on the free speech platform of Gab, it's at Tony underscore Perkins. And be sure and download the Stand Firm app. It's at the App Store. This way you can listen to Washington Watch no matter where you are. Maybe you're outside the range of one of the 800 stations that carries Washington Watch. Get the app. Also, it comes with action steps to take. So we'll keep you informed as to what's happening all across America, and you can be involved. Again, that website, TonyPerkins.com, and the app, Stand Firm app. All right, yesterday we had the, uh, the governor of Georgia was on talking about the Major League Baseball uh, pulling out from the All-Star game there in Atlanta and also uh, pulling the draft out all because Georgia wants to reform their election laws. They actually have. They passed a law. This came about. Nation was watching Georgia in the November election. What did they do? They did what other states are trying to do, fix the problems. But there's something here. If Georgia fixes their election problems, it'll have a domino effect, meaning other states will move forward with their election reform measures. And guess what? I'll let you in on a secret. The left hates it. They don't want that. So corporate titans are being pressured by or voluntarily falling before the left, and they are uh, making their wokeness very evident to Americans question is, will it cost them? Joining me now to talk more about this, Ken Blackwell, former mayor of Cincinnati, former secretary of state of Ohio, and now a senior fellow for constitutional governance here at the Family Research Council. Ken, welcome back to the program. Hey, Tony. It's always good to be with you. Okay. So um, you, you actually have some experience in this because you are a minority owner of a major league baseball team. So you kinda, you've kind of you been right front and center, front row seats, if you will, of what's been unfolding in the last few days. Absolutely. You know, speaking for my home state of Ohio, as someone who spent almost three decades in elected office there, Ohio voting laws uh, focus on election integrity as much as Georgia's new law. And with our voter ID requirements and other safeguards, uh, you know, we would be a prime target for uh, these uh, corporate uh, leaders that are so concerned about being woke that they're just uh, stumping on the necks of their of their fans and their consumers uh and in this case uh shareholders in major league baseball uh, and, and it's just a blatant contradiction these are the same guys tony uh, the same forces that do business with china and don't make a peep about that repressive repressive regime uh in in in, in communist china 
it, it is so frustrating. But one of the things that I know is that a wise man once said that a nation of sheep will beget a government of wolves. And what I know about the American people is that we're not going to be led to slaughter. Uh, we will push back. And consumers of, of baseball, or fans of baseball, uh, the uh, small business owners who will be smacked in the face with this $100 million loss uh, to Georgia and Atlanta, we will speak back. We will, we will hold people accountable for this. So are, is there concern among the other Major League Baseball uh, teams that what the league did in Atlanta will have repercussions for them in cities all across America? I think there is mounting concern. Uh, I, I, I think the, uh, the, the, the commissioner uh, didn't inform the, his owners uh, on, because I don't think that he took the time to take a look at this you know, reform legislation. Uh, what he did was that he listened to some loud voices who have a political agenda. It is aligned with this push, this federal push for uh, centralizing, uh, federalizing elections in our country. Uh, and, 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 and this effort, better known now as uh, S-1 and H-R-1 or for the Corrupt Politicians Act, uh, it's this legislation is designed to to actually uh, pull off a major paragraph and move us towards one party control uh, and 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 destroy our 245 history as a free and prosperous uh, constitutional republic. Not perfect, but of the realization that great nations are not the products of great governments. They're the products of good people doing things together. And what Lincoln said is that we're not perfect, but we're perfectible, and we've gotten it done, and we have been the freest, the most prosperous, the most diverse constitutional democracy in all of human history. It's it's good a good point to bring up because we were discussing this yesterday, because we've got to keep our eye on the ball, if you will, to use a sports metaphor. Um, the real issue here is the elections. It's HR1, SR1. It is this federal power grab that the left is trying to do. And so they're lying. Even the president of the United States is lying. And the Washington Post even called him out for lying. And so they are desperate to stop states from reforming their election laws so that they can say, we've got to blow up the legislative filibuster in the Senate so we can push H.R. 1 through. Now, my question for you, and, and, and I'm glad you brought that up, my question for you, Ken Blackwell, is the lackeys in corporate America that are doing the yapping and the barking for the left, what's going to happen to them when the left does control everything? Where do the deltas think they're going to go uh, for support in decrease in regulation? You know, where does the Major League Baseball uh, Association think they're going to go uh, to get help? Where are all these corporations that have relied upon free market conservatives to protect their existence? Where are they going for their shelter? They're going to go uh, to the ash bin of history, like all of those countries, uh, uh, companies that have tried to survive in totalitarian and authoritarian and government control economies. Aristotle said it best, Tony, there's a dynamic tension between the organized power of the state and individual liberty. That is why the left tries to destroy the family, which is the incubator of liberty, and they try to run God and faith out of the public square because what they want us to believe is that our human rights are grants from government, right. not gifts from God. And look, I, what I know and what I'm hearing from people all across this country, that they're sick and tired of it, and they're not going to take it anymore. And, and people realize what Thomas Paine said is true, that those who expect to reap the blessings of freedom must undergo the fatigue of supporting it. And we're ready to put it all on the line. To yeah. use a sports anal analogy, we're going to leave it all on the field. Uh, uh, that's right. Where this is, well, I'm going to leave it at that sports analogy. I won't <laughs> go any further, but I will say this. It is time that, well, let me, let me say it. Everybody needs to be on the field. Uh, we're going to clear the benches. Everybody needs to be on the field because this is th these corporations 
they respond, although I will say that I think they have in many ways abandoned their fiduciary duty of the, the, the shareholders of many of these corporations and they're taking on a profit or I mean a mission rather uh, that is oriented toward the left. But nonetheless, I think sh shareholders at some point will say enough is enough if consumers turn away from companies like Coca-Cola, Delta Airlines and uh, don't go to the f baseball games. I mean, the football saw that as a, as an outcome of their uh, and political and basketball, activism. And basketball, Tony. And let me tell you, Stacey Abrams, she is now saying to these major corporations, what the heck? Because what they are doing, are they're draining $100 million out of the economy. Uh, and in Atlanta, many of those vendors, many of those small business owners are minority are minorities, yeah. and and they are having a devastating impact that that is only compounded by the, the troubles and the and the setbacks of the pandemic. You know, they own this, and I think they better start trying to figure out how to call back to some semblance of reality uh, and fiscal responsibility as corporate executives and and and. and uh, and, and, and directors of these major companies. Well, it, it, as difficult as it is for me, Diet Coke is gone. No more Diet Coke. I have to find an alternative. But uh, look, I'm not going to. I'm not going to give my money to those corporations that are fighting against something that is so fundamental to the preservation of this republic as free and fair elections. And I've looked at the bill. It's uh, 98, 99 pages long. Uh, the law, I should say. It's been signed into law. Look, this is what states should be doing, and that's the concern of the left. That if Georgia gets by with this without their without the left exacting a pound of flesh other states will follow you're absolutely right this is within the framework of the constitution what the framers understood was elections are best managed when they're managed closest to the people where they're actually voting you have a tighter chain of custody you in fact can check that people are who they claim to be it just makes common it does. Absolutely. Ken Blackwell, as always, great to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, for joining us today. Thank you, Tony. God bless. All right. Ken Blackwell, former mayor of Cincinnati and former secretary of state of the state of Ohio and a senior fellow here at the Family Research Council. Now, folks, I, w I would encourage you. Look, you got to be all in on this. This is something we all have to be concerned about. We have got to fix the election. You heard me talking about this after January the 6th, that this was a state-based effort. We had to fix the system at the state level. It's what Georgia did. It's what other states are poised to do. And it has the left scared to death. We got to follow through. Make these corporations that are doing the yapping for the left pay a price. Skip Delta Airlines. Skip Coca-Cola. Don't go to a major baseball league game. Make them pay a price. All right, coming up next, we're going to be talking with a member of Congress from Georgia about this very topic. Our conversation continues here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. We're going to be back with Congressman Barry Loudermilk of Georgia next on Washington Watch. Oh, man. What's wrong? I just missed Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, and our congressman was going to be on the show today. Oh, that's not a big deal. What do you mean? Well, you can always catch the replay of the day's show. How's that? With the Stand Firm app. Yeah? Yep, you can catch that day's program and so much more. You can contact your elected officials on campaigns and policies that are important to you with the Take Action tab. You can listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins live and play previous episodes while conveniently going about your day. You can access the Washington Update, informative blogs, tweets, and critical campaigns on the main feed, so you can stay up to date on local and national news. Wow, i definitely use that. How do you find the app? Just visit frc.org slash app and download, or search Stand Firm in the App Store. Okay, that's Stand Firm. Yep, Stand Firm. How do you know all this? Because I'm a SageCon, but that's another story. Huh? 
Here's a moment of hope for your home with Jerry and Becky Drace. Are you a smart person? You like to think so? Well, listen to Proverbs chapter 1, verse 22. Fools hate knowledge. You know, some very smart people are simply foolish. Just listen and you will be amazed at the ignorance of some people. Although education is important, you don't have to be and have a string of degrees behind your name to be a smart person. The Bible teaches that knowledge gives information, understanding gives inspiration, but wisdom will lead to implementation. That means that the smartest people are those who seek the wisdom of God and then put His wisdom into action. So, how smart are you? Learn more about the ministry of Jerry and Becky Drace, including evangelism with integrity, devotions, articles, and more at hopeforthehome.org. This has been a moment of hope for your home. Hey, I'm Brand, and as you know, one of the worst things you can say in any business or in life for that matter is, but we've never done it that way before. That approach stops us from making decisions that could have been great. We just keep doing the same thing, even if we're not happy with it, even while we're complaining about it, we just keep doing it. What if there's a better way? This is why considering MediShare for your healthcare bills is such a great idea. It works, it's less expensive, it's convenient, it's a better way for so many people to pay for their healthcare. And thinking, but we've never done it that way before, is a great way to miss out on major savings. The typical family saves $500 a month, and you miss out on the huge network of doctors, the free telehealth services, the great customer service, and being a part of something that matters, with more than 400,000 members sharing each other's healthcare bills. So you've never done it this way before? No problem. Just call. You can start saving right now. Call 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I am your host, Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, yesterday we, uh, we were discussing with the governor of Georgia, what the Major League Baseball commissioner, what they announced last Friday about uh, pulling out the All-Star game from Atlanta, as well as the draft. Um, This has a lot of lawmakers, both at the state level and nationally, uh, upset, and rightfully so, as we talked about actually with uh, Congressman Mike Waltz last night, about how this is a part of a bigger agenda. It has really nothing to do with baseball, has nothing to do with flying planes like Delta does, has nothing to do with Coca-Cola, although fly a different airline and drink a different drink. Um, This is about elections. Well, joining me now to talk more about this is the congressman from the 11th District of Georgia, our good friend Barry Loudermilk. Barry, welcome back to the program. Tony, it's always good to be with you. Thanks for having me. Well, we've we've got to keep our eye here on what the real issue is. Uh, And the real issue is H.R. 1, elections and the Mm -hmm. filibuster in the Senate. This is trying they're trying to make their case by lying. Even The Washington Post giving the president four Pinocchios. Um, and that's pretty good because they essentially were his campaign communication team. They've given him four Pinocchios. Uh, so y- your thoughts on all of this? It's insanity. I mean, this is and, and I lay the blame clearly on these corporations who do not have a backbone. They don't have the guts to stand up and just accept the truth. They are so afraid of what this left wing mob, this woke mob could do to them that they're alienating their very own customers. I mean, look at Major League Baseball. By pulling out of Georgia, who are they going to hurt? Well, they're not going to hurt the other big corporations based there. They're going to hurt the guy who sells hot dogs at the Mm -hmm. stadium. They're going to hurt the server at the restaurant who's not going to get this business. I just met with some business owners um, in the Atlanta area that were finally starting to see their businesses come back from COVID. And these are businesses that thrive on having these conventions and sporting events. They were all excited about the All-Star Game as that one thing, the catalyst that would bring them back, bring their businesses back. And we met last week, and they were concerned about Major League Baseball. But around the table, everyone said, but, you know, we don't see that baseball would go to that extreme because none of this is true. And here they go. They're, they're, they're going off the deep end. It's, it's, in, it's unbelievable. Yeah, as you said, 
none of it's true. We've 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 refuted all of those lies by President Joe Biden, who says you can't give people water, uh, that the working man will not be able to vote. We've we've debunked all of that. Even as I mentioned, the Washington Post giving him four Pinocchios. But I want to go to the business side of this for just a moment. Because these same businesses, whether it's uh, we're talking about Delta, that, uh, I mean, repeatedly goes to the state of Georgia looking for uh, special subsidies, tax breaks. Mm -hmm. Uh, You've got the Major League Baseball. They have antitrust immunity. They've had it since 1922. Uh, So they look to government to protect them. But then they criticize the very hand that, quote unquote, feeds them. This is what does not make sense. Now, the last day of the legislative session was the day that Coca-Cola came out and made their announcement. Obviously, the CEO never did read the bill. He just took Stacey Abrams and Nancy Pelosi and the extreme left's talking points and came out with this asinine statement that had no truth to it whatsoever. The irony was they had a special subsidy bill that was up that day of the last day of session. I I was in the Georgia legislature, as you were in the Louisiana legislature, uh, Delta's base is in Atlanta, and they always get a fuel tax exemption um, for for basically sales tax for the fuel that they buy in Atlanta. It doesn't apply to Southwest. It doesn't apply to any other airline other than an airline based in Atlanta, which is Delta. And they lobby very hard for it. And it's always been one of these that the Democrats are opposed to it. Republicans support it because they want to support the business. Mm -hmm. Well, the Speaker of the House and the governor were like, okay, that's fine. Let's kill their subsidy. But apparently the lieutenant governor decided to go ahead and give it to them uh, because it was in the Senate. But, I mean, how brazen it was for the CEO knowing that this thing that would cost them millions and millions of dollars was before the legislature. That day he comes out with a statement. They have totally – they've lost all sense of of morality to start with, and I think they've totally lost their minds. Well, but but have they? Because as you said, the lieutenant governor going forward with that, you know, the, the Republicans are so free market. Uh, they they want to see businesses do well. And so the Republic, the Democrat, the uh, the businesses can continue to fuel the crazy policies of the left, but then rely on the Republicans to protect them from the tax increases and from the regulatory increases that the left would put on them. We're seeing that take place in Congress right now. After the uh, January 6th uh, counting of the Electoral College votes, I think it was 140 corporations came out and said they would no longer support any Republican that voted in, uh, you know, in, in uh, they questioned the outcome the of the election. Right. And, and uh, then immediately they turn around and they want us to stop all the regulations and the uh, uh, big taxes that are coming their way. And Sorry, guys. It's like, yeah, it's, it's they're biting, that, biting the hand that feeds them. I mean, and we are. We're free market. We want to treat everybody fairly. But come on, folks. This is uh, this, you can't you can't placate to the far left mob, especially in when they come out and they lie and then expect us to to come up and say, well, you know what? We just want to continue to support you in the way that we have in the past when you're just going to turn around and and stab Americans, not Republican politicians. But stab Americans in the back. Yes, they are advancing the left's agenda. They are the mule for the left. And oh, they're yeah. funding and it, they're fueling it, and now they're using their business platforms to promote it. And it's all about, as you said, HR1. They want to get this nationalized election reform through. And I'm talking about the left. And they're, uh, they're blackmailing, for lack of other terms, yeah. uh, these corporations. Right. And to doing their their bidding. But I have a feeling that this this may just backfire on them from the American people. I know a lot of folks that are are very upset with Major League Baseball to the point they just said, forget it. I'm not I'm not going to go to the game. Well, I'd, already forgotten it on TV. It. I'd already forgotten. It, so I can't forget it again. But but anyway, your point is well taken. I think we do need to act. I also think Republicans, conservatives need to tell business, hey, you like the left so much when it comes to their policies, embrace their taxes. Barry Loudermilk, thanks so much for joining us. All right. Thank you, Tony. All right, folks. Look, a lot at stake here. Don't go away. We're going to take a look at what's happening in states all across America next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away.
making the most of your money. Here's Dan Celia on American Family Radio. As we start the week, we hear a speech from Janet Yellen. She has confirmed that the U.S. is back on the world stage. I'm not sure what back means. I don't believe we ever stepped away from the world stage. As a matter of fact, I believe the stage that America was on was the best world stage we could have been on, reminding everybody that they should, as the U.S. has, do what they need to do for the good of their country. CNBC indicated that it was a protectionist agenda. There is nothing protectionist about putting the American people and our trade policies and monetary policies in a stronger and stronger position. That's called a United States president caring about the United States of America. But Janet Yellen went in to praise the fact that the Biden administration is no longer going to do this, what they would call, she would call, saber-rattling against China. There was never any saber-rattling against China. Just straight talk about them being fair and we will be fair. That's hardly saber-rattling. That's just laying out a fair agenda. But nonetheless, at least we know where the far left is coming from and where they intend to go. Want to hear more financial advice from Dan Celia? Look for his podcast at AFR.net. Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. All right. Uh, We want to get into what's happening in states all across the nation. Some good stuff, uh, as we see increasingly with a left-leaning, pushing federal government, what happens at the state level is so important. But uh, I want to get into some breaking news this afternoon. We were talking about this yesterday, but good news today coming out of the state of Arkansas. Joining me now to talk about this, Kana Gonzalez. He is the director of state and local at the Family Research Council. Kana, welcome back to the program. Great to be with you, Tony. All right. I want to get into what's happening about this, uh, across the states, uh, in the states, across the nation. But first, this afternoon in Arkansas, the state legislature there overriding the governor's veto of the SAFE Act. Tell us about it. Yeah, uh, really great news, Tony. As our listeners will know, we have been highlighting the SAFE Act, which stands for Save Adolescents from Experimentation in Arkansas. There are now 19 states across the country that have introduced legislation aimed at preventing um, uh, minors and children from being preyed upon and pushed toward and steered towards gender transition procedures until they're 18 and old enough to make an adult decision. And that's exactly what House Bill 1570, the SAFE Act in Arkansas does. Uh, Listeners will know that Governor Hutchinson uh, vetoed the bill. And uh, we're very pleased to report that the House and Senate, upon receipt of his veto message this afternoon, immediately voted to override his veto by overwhelming uh, margins, we're very pleased to see their courage in standing up for the truth on this uh, divisive matter. Yeah, this is quite significant. I mean, we were not anticipating the legislature to move so quickly, uh, but it shows the momentum that was behind uh, this bill. So this this paves the way for other states that are considering similar legislation. That's right, Tony. The the margins are outstanding. Arkansas is one of the few states where veto override needs a simple majority, but in the House and Senate, they got uh, they got they got close to three quarters of uh, voting for the bill. We had very few people peel off of the bill from the original votes, and I think that sends a strong signal to policymakers across the country. Um, the ACLU. And the Washington uh, message machine on the left wants to make this bill difficult, wants to make it complicated. 
these issues are complicated, but the 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 doing the right thing is is not. And uh, I think legislators in Arkansas, led by Representative Lundstrom and Senator Clark, showed real courage not only in running the bill, but also gathering the support for the veto override. We're very very proud and honored to be partnering with such great folks. Yeah, I mean it's uh, common sense. It's uh, it's not difficult. You want to protect children. All right, let's talk about, uh, Kane, and some of the other uh, measures that are moving in state legislatures. This is prime season for state legislatures. So what other issues are moving through these state bodies? We have all kinds of stuff moving. We have pro-life bills moving in multiple states so far. This uh, Today's veto override marks the 14th high-priority bill that FRC has identified that is aligned with our federal and state uh, legislative policy agenda that's been enacted this year. I can't name them all, but I'll just highlight a few. We've had Born Alive uh, Infant Protection Acts that uh, protect infants who are born uh, during a botched abortion passed in Kentucky, Arkansas, and South Dakota. Uh, we have had uh, religious liberty uh, bills passing in a number of states, including in Kansas. And um, we also have seen uh, pushback, further pushback, which is quite amazing because there's been so much recently in the last five or ten years against the pro-choice agenda that's coming out of Washington with pro-life bills uh, passing across the country in a number of states, including a bill in, uh, in I'm sorry, South Dakota that prevents uh, discrimination against children, unborn children with Down syndrome. We see a number of these bills moving right now, and I would w- welcome and encourage our listeners to let their voices be heard. Yeah, that's extremely important, Kana. When we look at what is happening in Washington, a lot of folks discouraged by the leftward lurch of the Biden administration and the Congress controlled by Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. But the good news is that the states are in the primarily in the hands of Republicans and a lot of conservatives. And just like we saw 10 years ago with Obama's radical pro-abortion push, the states pushed back. We, we uh, I think... Kana, correct me if I'm wrong, but we saw a majority, uh, probably more pro-life legislation that was passed in the last decade than the three previous decades combined. That's correct. So we can look forward. We can look forward to the states pushing back against this agenda uh, from the Biden administration, but people have to weigh in and let their voices be heard. Kana Gonzalez, we're out of time, but I want to thank you for joining us. Your team did a great job there in uh, Arkansas. We look for more victories across America. All right, folks, don't go away. We've got a lot more Washington Watch yet to come. Check out the website, TonyPerkins.com. Tools and resources for you right there. We're coming back after these messages. For centuries, the Bible has inspired humanity and shaped the very world we live in. But how do we know this book is the Word of God and not merely the words of men? What we believe about the Bible is based on what we believe about its source. The God Who Speaks explores the evidence of the Bible's inspiration and authority through some of the world's most respected biblical scholars. We have essentially a dual authorship. So it's true to say that Paul wrote Romans. It's equally true to say that God wrote Romans. He says, we saw this. And that sets the Bible apart from almost everything else in the ancient world and its religious pantheon of gods and goddesses. The God Who Speaks is a feature-length documentary from the American Family Association. Available now at thegodwhospeaks.org.
American Family Radio newscasts are now available as a podcast. I'm Rusty Pugh. I'm Steve Jordahl. Didn't catch the full story? Listen to the podcast. I'm Chris Woodward. I'm Chad Groening. Didn't have the radio on at the top of the hour? Listen to the podcast. I'm Charlie Bunch. And I'm Fred Jackson. Get accurate news from a Christian perspective whenever you want it with the American Family News podcast. You can also sign up for our daily news brief. Visit onenewsnow.com. We don't need any more information. We don't need another revelation. We have it all. God has given it to us in between the covers of this book. Now it's up to us to take what we have been given and give it back to God in the life of diligence that will bring honor to His name. Join Dr. David Jeremiah for his series, Living with Confidence in a Chaotic World, next time on Turning Point. 5.30 a.m. and 7 p.m. Central on American Family Radio. Jesus said, in this life you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Christians are in spiritual warfare whether they like it or not. We have to fight against Satan, self, and society. we got some pretty big opponents. We need to be training one another, equipping and challenging one another to engage this culture. You're invited to the AFA at Home Town Hall meeting. Be encouraged as we see trouble increasing. Satan does not want people to come to the freedom of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. America's never had a racial problem. America's had a sin problem. Hey, when I walk with God, he never said that was going to be easy. Mm -hmm. The event features Pastor Jeff Shreve, Tony Perkins, Bishop E.W. Jackson, Ed Vitagliano, Bert Harper, and Miki Addison, and it's hosted by Walker Wildman. The AFA at Home Town Hall meeting streams live at 7 p.m. Central on Thursday, April 29th at afa.net. We were created for this. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, and it's great to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you've not yet downloaded the Stand Firm app, I encourage you to do that, especially as we were just talking about legislation at the state level and what's happening and what will be happening and the fact that you can weigh in and make a difference. We make it real easy for you. So uh, go to the App Store, download the Stand Firm app, and, uh, and then you can just kind of fill it out. You'll get alerts get notifications so that you can take actions. We make it very easy to tell you who to contact, what to say, and just give you all the facts. All right, as little as you want or as much as you want. So again, download the Stand Firm app. Um, last Friday, a friend of mine sent me a, a text with a link to an opinion piece, an op-ed in the Los Angeles Times. Now, I, I want to tell you that because I don't read the Los Angeles Times, but the reason I read this is because a friend sent it to me. And the, it was entitled, Why America's Record Godlessness is Good News for the Nation. Of course, the headline got my attention. And I read it. And after I read it, um, I have issues with it. And I thought, you know what? I got to talk about this. And I could not think of anyone better to join me in discussing this. Then Dr. Pat Fagan, who is the Director of Marriage and Religion Research Initiative, Mary. And uh, so I have asked him to join me today for this conversation. Dr. Pat Fagan, welcome back to Washington Watch. Hello, Tony. It's good to be with you. All right. This piece, uh, the author was Phil Zuckerman. He's an associate dean of Pitzer College, a private liberal arts school in Claremont, California. In, in prayer, prayer, paraphrasing him, he, he argues that Countries don't need God to be healthy, wealthy, safe, and happy. He also says that secularization of society does a better job at tackling homelessness, poverty, than faith-based, church-based charities. Where do we start? Well, I'd start with the data. Um, he is a professor of sociology. My main a critique of his work, and I've since you sent me the op-ed, I read it, and then went and looked and investigated a number of his other works. Uh, he is a man on a mission, um, and that's quite legitimate. Everybody should have a good mission in life, and he has made his mission actually to develop societies. And this is the key point: that do not worship God. He wants all the benefits of religion communities. He likes people getting together. They need rituals and all the rest. But 
get God out of it and get the worship of God out of it. That's his mission. And if you if you look into him and you can go on Wikipedia and a number of other places, you, you'll see this. Uh, I don't think I'm, I think he would agree that I'm presenting this. The other uh, major critique I have of his work is that he only presents one side. He doesn't present uh, the massive amount of contrary data uh, that's there uh, disputing, and I would say overturning uh, repeatedly a number of his questions mm -hmm. or a number of his statements. So on those two things, he's a man with a mission to get rid of God, the worship of God, and, um, and he thinks that's great. The more of that happens, the better in his book. And then I don't think he's doing the sociology the way it ought to be done. Let me, let me just pull a, a paragraph uh, f from here, and I'm going to ask you a question based on this. Organ and I'm quoting from his piece that appeared in the Los Angeles Times. Organic secularization can occur for many reasons. It happens when members of a society become better educated, more prosperous, and live safer, more secure, and more peaceful lives. When societies experience increases in social isolation, when people have better health care, when more people hold paying jobs, when more people wait longer to get married and have kids, all of these, especially in combination, can decrease religiosity. I, I agree with that statement that, in, in fact, what, what we see happening is those things occur, but oftentimes they occur, the benefits of religiosity from the previous generation, it, it's kind of like the Old Testament where one generation followed God, the blessings that flowed from that made the next generation somewhat apathetic, and then the next generation suffered the consequences. Yep, yep. And you see that actually in family therapy. You can see that all the time. Um, you know, those who do, therapists who do a lot of family therapy, you see intergenerational effects that way, uh, where things actually start sliding down or where they, they can go the other way, where one generation uh, does very well by the kids. The kids pick up the same thing and they become even better than the parents and hopefully the, great, the grandkids even better. So it can go either way, uh, depending on the effort of the people but you're agreeing and i agree we can see this sliding down happening and it is happening in america there's no doubt about it i mean it's occurring but right now i think we're still as a nation we're still benefiting from the remnants the fumes yep. if you will uh, that were in the gas tank the religious gas tank of the previous generation and at some point uh you know the the, the warning light's been going off the time the tank's almost on empty at some point we run out of gas as a society. Yeah, by, by the third, by the third generation, you, you'll you'll have run out of gas, and we're not going to have the peace, prosperity. In fact, we're already seeing through the broken homes, uh, the fatherlessness that's taking place, the increase in violence and social instability. Look, most American cities are not a Norman Rockwell picturesque setting uh, that you want to sit out on the lawn and have a picnic. Yeah, and one of the big things, of course, behind all of that, the homelessness, the poverty, the increased violence, is the broken family out of wedlock births. Father's not there to raise their children. And religious families don't, that does, it does happen occasionally, but in it's not meant to happen. And those who are worship God regularly and raise their kids to do the same, by and large, tend towards marriage and their children benefit and the nation benefits. He, he totally avoids, in all his work, I noticed this, uh, he avoids the impact of marriage. And marriage, of course, is one of the huge benefits of religion. And that's one of the things for the last decade and a half that has been under attack in America, and, and not just America, but literally around the globe. And so if you eliminate marriage or the meaning of marriage, you're going to get more of what flows from rejection and brokenness that occurs when you do not have a mother and a father who love each other and are married and therefore love their children and raise them. That's right. And, of course, the purpose of marriage is the begetting of children. You know, it's harnessing the sexual the way it's meant to be harnessed. Father and mother loving each other and then raising the children together is their great project in life. That's marriage. But he does acknowledge in one place um, that religious people have many more children than non-religious. And he does say 
you know, this is this is a major obstacle for us. Uh, who knows how the experiment's going to go? I, that's not a direct quote, but that's the that's a paraphrase of what he says, and that's a huge thing. The, those who honor and worship the author of life give life. They also protect life. More, you know, they don't abort. Uh, there's no nothing in his work touches on abortion. Nothing in his work touches on, on sex outside of marriage. Well, well, it, he does, does touch on it. He, he criticizes uh, religious people for not agreeing with that. Yep. <laughs> so, yes, he does touch on it, but from a different perspective. I, 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 I want to ask one more thing, uh, take my issue with one more thing you wrote, then I want to have a, I want to move on from this and have yeah, a, sure. a broader conversation. But he said, he, he repeatedly says this, uh, that this is organic secu secularization that it's organic, it's naturally occurring. I, I, I take issue with that. I think what's happened is that th this is being fueled in large part by, I mean, there is some of it is organic from turning away from religion, but you have government institutions that have become decidedly secular and are persecuting religious views or an uh, forcing those religious views not to be expressed in public. So I, I can't agree that this is taking place organically. There is the heavy hand of government in some instances that is driving this. And increasingly, the heavy hand of elite major corporations, particularly the digital controlling one, Google and Facebook, uh, you know, two of the big ones where there's more and more control and less and less friendliness towards religion. This is not an even handedness. Yeah, so it's not organic. It is uh, it is being fueled by uh, those that are putting their thumb on the scale, whether that be in some cases government or, as you said, big tech and other big corporations. Well, let's talk, Dr. Pat Fagan, about what do we do? There, there's no doubt. We cannot refute the fact that we're seeing a, a decrease in religious affiliation. Now, I, I think some of this is not accurately depicted in the data because many people are dropping out of organized religion because organized religion in many ways has become meaningless, but it doesn't mean that people are not religious in, in terms of following God. Oh yeah, I think um, people are naturally religious and by that I mean they orient towards what is the, the big questions. Everybody is, what's life about? How do I get meaning? Where does happiness really lie? Is happiness in a, in a good drink? And jumping into bed with the beautiful young woman I've just met at the local bar, or no, that it doesn't—it's not there. People being, but where does it lie? Is one of the huge questions every generation and every human being confronts, and that very quickly gets into these eternal, transcendental, afterlife issues, and they lead to God for most people. And as the organized religion, certain denominations move away from those issues because it becomes, as we even read in this in this op-ed, kind of political issues that we shouldn't speak of or tell people they shouldn't do. You know, what Scripture says is what we should do. It, it gives direction as to what, if we want the good life, if we want to experience the fullness of what God has for us, it's like Jesus said, if you want to follow me, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. It's not a picnic. Uh, it is a life of dedication, of self-denial, but it is the most rewarding, fulfilling life that one could live. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I do think Christians in the United States and across, you know, the developed, the developed world, look, Human life is at a level of comfort it never has ever been in all of human history. Like the the married couple who's just, you know, two college graduates not doing anything phenomenal, they are living more comfortably than most kings lived in most of human history. We're living at that level of comfort. And um, I think, you know, it's easy to become soft. And the core of Christianity, and now I'm not addressing the other religions, but Christianity following Christ is the core of the religious beliefs of America. And, you know, Christ never promised an easy life. And he didn't, he, he, he wasn't holding that out to his followers. As a matter of fact, he holds out the opposite. And so at the core is are there enough Christians really following Christ that way so that when others see them, 
they sense, oh, there's something different about this person. What? It's good. I know what it is. That's how Christianity grew. Like the greatest growth Christianity has ever faced was in the first 300 years of the history of Christianity. Every decade, Christianity expect, expanded by four, grew 40%. So between 2010 and 2030, there would have been a 40% growth in the number of Christians in the world. Between 2030, 20 and 30, another 40% on top of that, and so on for the first 300 years. And that was before there was anything overtly, you know, that you could spot externally was organized because, you know, a lot it was a lot of persecution, so Christians kept their head low. But it really grew mainly because I think these Christians up against this stuff had a dynamic, real relationship with our Lord through prayer, sacrifice, and good works, fasting, taking care of the poor, doing all those pretty difficult things, but gladly doing it because they wanted to follow Christ. And I think we're coming back to that, actually, the good stuff out of all this. I think you're, you're seeing the winnowing among Christians of those who are really uh, realizing, uh-uh, this is what we're called to. Yeah, the other stuff, I, yeah, I can easily slide, but I better my socks up. I, I, I think, think you're right. I think the, the, the persecution, the opposition, we've been comfortable in a society that has, for the most part, embraced at least a, um, you know, a, a Christian ethic, if not Christ. Um, and now that has changed and it is really forcing people to choose who they're going to follow. Yeah. And, and I think the outcome of that is going to be positive, but we need to know the facts. All of society benefits when we walk with the Lord in obedience to him. Not only our families, but when our family benefits, the neighborhood benefits. And when the neighborhood benefits, the community benefits in all of society. And especially uh, here in America, because we were founded, our nation was built for those who followed the faith. It's, we're not another country. We're America. And it is essential to our future success that we operate according to the the manual that the founders wrote. Yep, yep. As you say that, actually, one of the things, one of the great projects that was done at F4C was mapping America, where from all the federal surveys, we looked at how American individuals were doing, depending on uh, whether they were, you know, if they were adults, whether they were married and worshiping frequent, uh, worshiping weekly or married and not, or, you know, broken family and worshiping, and broken family and not worshiping at all. And on every single outcome, you say, I would put Phil Zuckerman, the man we were talking about, I would put him in married, not worshiping. But if you compare that group on yeah. all the outcomes with the married worshiping weekly, always his group is in second place. The yeah. other group on every single measure in every federal survey where you can get it, is doing better than his. All right, Dr. Fagan, we got to leave it there. We're out of time, folks. We're out of time. Thanks so much for joining us. Until next time, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is powered by the Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.